As a child, you may remember being asked by a parent, how was dinner tonight? And sometimes dinner was not that good. And you were left between telling your mother or your father that, well, dinner didn't taste too good or lying and saying, that was great, mom. And then praying that mom would never fix that dish ever again. You remember that conversation, right? And that's where we all learned it's okay to tell a little white lie, that people's feelings matter, that we need to be concerned about our words. Words matter. Let me repeat that again. Words matter. And they do matter. Oh, they absolutely do. We're going to talk about today why words matter on America Emboldened with Greg Bolden on the America Out Loud Network. Welcome back, Bold Americans. As always, if you want to reach me, feel free to reach out on Twitter at Real Greg Bolden, or you can email me, Greg at AmericaEmboldened.com with that website coming soon. Happy to hear your feedback. I want to talk today about little white lies. You know, the acceptable lies that we were taught as a child to tell so we don't hurt somebody's feelings. I'm curious if society is living more as little white lies for adults than we are in truth. Are we rooting our arguments? Are we aligning our ideology in those little white lies? Are we so worried about the emotional wellness of another individual that we are not acknowledging the basic intrinsic truth that is known at the core? And what is truth? That's another great part of the conversation. Well, we're going to start off today with the allegory of the cave. Now, if you're not familiar with the allegory of the cave, it's from Plato. It's part of the uh, Socratic dialogue that was recorded. And Plato was a student of Socrates. Now, Socrates was one of the few people of his time to write down his teachings. And they were compiled in books. And so the book that you can find the allegory of the cave from is called The Republic. And that contains the story of a dialogue between Socrates and Plato's brother. And in that, they talk about a uh, group of individuals that are chained together inside an underground cave. Then they're prisoners. And behind those group of people, uh, the prisoners, there sits a fire. And between the prisoners and the fire are moving puppets and real objects on a raised walkway with a low wall. However, the prisoners are unable to see anything behind them as they were chained and stuck looking into one direction. And that's at the cave wall. And they've been facing this way their entire life. Now, you're going to have to abandon reality a little bit that somebody probably couldn't have been facing that way their entire life. But as far as we know in the story, their worldviews are from facing one direction the majority of their life. And as they look at this wall that's in front of them and they see shadows of the objects cast, 
They believe that the moving figures are real things. And they're also the only things, which means that their visible world is their whole world. And so the story goes on to ponder about what would happen if one of these prisoners were to leave. What would they see? How would they adjust to realizing they've been looking at shadows from puppets? Would they believe what they saw outside or would they think that they were hallucinating? What would happen if they came back to the cave and tried to tell the other prisoners, guess what? What we thought was reality was not reality. Would the prisoners kill them not being able to accept this new knowledge? Or would the prisoners be able to see things from this outside perspective? Or would they continue to see things the same as they saw them before, even when presented with the truth. Now, this assumes that the person who was freed would try to return to give this newfound knowledge to the remaining prisoners. And they now know how much more of the world exists outside the cave. But in the conclusion of the allegory of the cave, Socrates and Plato's brother, uh, I believe it's Glaucon, they agree that the other prisoners would likely kill those who try to free them as they would not want to leave the safety and comfort of their known world. And I believe that this is where we are in 2022. We have aligned ourselves into camps where we have safety and comfort of numbers in our said camp. Now, some people may call that camp the Republican camp. Others may call it the Democrat camp. Perhaps you belong to some type of church camp. Maybe it's the Protestant camp, the Episcopal camp, the Catholic camp. Whatever it may be, we do find ourselves drawn into safety in numbers in our dialogue and in the comfortable conversations we want to have. We are quick to label anything that does not match what our experiences are on that wall, much like in Plato's allegory of the cave. We are quick to label them as falsehoods, as lies, as conspiracy theories. And I think back to a movie that I show my students each year called The Truman Show. Now, The Truman Show, uh, Jim Carrey played Truman Burbank, and it was a movie about a reality television show where uh, Truman Burbank was raised as a child in front of television cameras. His entire life has been purely for the entertainment of other people around the world. The movie picks up as he starts to realize that the relationships around him do not feel genuine. Now, doesn't that sound a lot like where we are in life right now, that some of the news that is placed in front of us, we question the authenticity, we question whether or not it's genuine, and maybe we repeat words or news or phrases that we've heard because it's what we're comfortable with. Maybe we join in 
on the echo chamber. Maybe we are just like the actor surrounding Truman on the Truman show, not thinking for ourselves and not thinking about how our words are going to affect our neighbor. See, our words do matter. As I said at the beginning, ever since we were a child, our parents were teaching us that we need to be mindful of our manners. And that's a good thing that helps keep an organized and civilized society. And I believe that kindness goes a long way. There's some wisdom to not saying truly what's on our mind and keeping a filter on our mouths. But when should the filter come off? When should we start to speak exactly how we believe, exactly what we would like to say that we feel we cannot say? And what are the forces at play that keep us from speaking truth? When we are younger, it may have been our father being upset because we told our mom we didn't like the food that she made. We might have got sent to our room. There was a consequence for our words. But now as grown adults, the consequences may be that on social media, we would have to defend our truth, defend our words with people who are not rooted in any type of truth. People who are staring at a cave wall and do not want to acknowledge the reality behind them. People are willing nowadays to dock someone, to call up their job or email the person's boss with the intent of having them fired rather than moving along, ignoring, or trying to open up dialogue with the individual that has upset them. And what makes that individual so sure that their reality is the correct one? Now, I will never be confused for a Donald Trump supporter as a MAGA Republican. That's not my identity. I will never be confused as a Joe Biden Democrat or Barack Obama Democrat. That is not my identity. That is not the wall of images that I stare at. But I can acknowledge truth. I can acknowledge that during a Donald Trump presidency, there was no new wars. It was the first time in my lifetime since Bush Sr., Reagan, Bush Jr., Clinton, Barack Obama. All of those presidents had started wars and been involved in military operations, not Donald Trump. In fact, I can find some accomplishments of Donald Trump that are facts that upset people staring at their wall. So here's some facts. Did you know that during Donald Trump's time in office, America gained 7 million new jobs, which was more than three times what government actually projected 
Did you know that middle-class families' income increased $6,000, which was more than five times the gains during the entire previous administration of Barack Obama? Did you know that unemployment rate reached 3.5%, the lowest in half a century? Or did you know that he achieved 40 months in a row with more job openings than job hirings? These are unheard of statistics that no one wants to acknowledge when they talk about Donald Trump and his presidency, but they're facts. And if you walk into the den, you walk into the cave and you try to tell somebody these, they say, liar, Donald Trump, he's a bad man. But why? Because he was a complete buffoon with his words? Was it because he attacked people emotionally that he was not a good oratorical speaker? What, what was it exactly? Because it certainly wasn't the fact that jobless claims hit a 50-year low in our country during his presidency. It certainly wasn't the number of people claiming unemployment insurance because the uh, share of them in the population hit the lowest on record. And it certainly wasn't the people who had their income rise in every single metro area in the United States for the first time in over three decades. Those are all accomplishments that should be acknowledged in truth. That's the part when you leave the cave, if you're in a cave that's anti-Trump, when you leave, you should start looking at, all right, where's the truth? That's the truth. Now, if you want to kill me, you want to dox me because I'm speaking truth, that's fine. And I would go even further to say, let's examine Barack Obama's accomplishments when he was in office. The truth is that people may not want to examine looking at their wall. It was Barack Obama who ended the war in Iraq and he had a lot of international conflicts going on when he took office. The last military troops left Iraq December of 2011, keeping to his promise. Whether you like the ACA or you dislike the ACA, you still have got to give him credit that 32 million Americans were uninsured and helped get them health coverage and helped cut health care costs at the time. Now, we all know that that hasn't played out well over time, but here was a president that was willing to do it. He also helped eliminate some enemies within the USA. It was the death of Osama bin Laden. After 2001, 10 years later, we were finally able to find him and take him out. Also, Gaddafi was taken out. He helped pass the American stimulus plan. And that was when we were in one of the greatest recessions of all time. In 2009, he passed an act which contributed the $787 billion to help get the economy back on track, which Donald Trump inherited in order to help get his numbers to where they were. That's truth. That's fact. That's not me staring at the shadows on the wall, wondering where the truth is. He increased benefits and support for U.S. veterans during his time in office. Obama also invested into supporting renewable technology. All right. And back then it was when it was cheap. He wanted $90 billion. Can you imagine that nowadays? Like we throw 400 billion around like it's nothing. But he invested $90 billion in the smart grids, clean coal. That's right. Clean coal, electric cars, and many other technologies that he felt would be essential to future operations. There were a ton of accomplishments that Obama had that are truth. He improved America's image throughout the entire world. We saw a Pew Global Attitudes project that we had a 26% increase in satisfaction with America with Obama as president. That declined underneath Trump. These are truths. This isn't me making this stuff up. 
These are the absolute truths. This is me coming from outside the cave, back inside, trying to talk to you to let you know, stop staring at the wall. There's a fire behind you. There's puppeteers. They're putting up images and you're going with it. Start paying attention to the actual facts because facts matter. They really do. Start paying attention to the truth. Stop looking for little white lies to make yourself feel better. It's okay to acknowledge that when Trump was in office, that he was absolutely bombastic and he was an absolute jerk to people. It's okay to say that. It doesn't take away from any of his accomplishments. It's okay for you to acknowledge that Donald Trump may have been a really uh, crappy person in the way he spoke to disabled people. He may have really helped encourage xenophobia by the way he spoke about people in other countries. And that's not to say that the media didn't treat him unfairly. That's not to say that they didn't get things piled on at a record pace because the facts of the matter are Donald Trump was the most negatively reported president in the modern age of news. Uh, We can see that. Again, that's coming outside the cave, giving facts. We're going to talk a little bit more about why these white lies matter in order to protect our feelings and these echo chambers in just a few moments. If any of this is resonating, find me on Twitter at RealGregBolden, or you can email me, greg at americaembolden.com. You're listening to America Emboldened with Greg Bolden, that's me, on the America Out Loud Network. See you all on the opposite side of the break. America Out Loud beats to the pulse of our nation. We know when you're angry, you're troubled, confused, glad, and thankful. We know you because we are you. Join us as we explore the most important issues of our time. We are America Out Loud Talk Radio. Liberty and justice for all. You wouldn't go a day without brushing your teeth or washing your hands. What about washing your nose? I mean, your nose does filter the air you breathe, air loaded with bacteria, viruses, and irritants. Make nasal hygiene part of your routine with Clear. No messy bottles to fill, no drowning sensation. Clear is a natural drug-free saline with the added benefit of xylitol, which blocks bacterial and viral adhesion. Available in stores and online at clear.com. That is X-L-E-A-R.com. It's summertime. Ready for your vacation to the beach, the lake, or the mountains? But what about your accommodations? Ever wonder what germs were left behind by the previous guests? Kathy G. from Tulsa says the Genesis Fogger gives her peace of mind and confidence when traveling. With Genesis, she knows that the air and surfaces in her vacation rental are free of bacteria and viruses left behind by the previous occupants. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud to receive a 15% discount on the Genesis Fogger with promo code out loud. With Genesis, you'll be ready for what's next. In 2008, the amount of concentrated time people could spend on a task without becoming distracted was 12 seconds. Five years later, it was only eight seconds, one second less than a goldfish. If you find yourself always distracted or having trouble recalling information, you're likely to fall behind in the demanding, fast-paced 21st century. In other words, brain performance is more critical now than ever. Boost your brain power with Healthy Cells Focus Plus Recall. Science-backed nootropics to sharpen focus, concentrate longer, enhance recall, improve mental speed, learn rapidly, and be more alert. 
it's a pill-free brain supplement made with maximum absorption technology designed to feed our brains at the cellular level. Take it for a test drive. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off your first order of Focus Plus Recall. That's HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD for 20% off. Welcome back, everybody. We've been talking about white lies and hurting people's feelings and making sure that we have truthful conversations without having to worry about who we hurt. And I wanted to acknowledge a phone call that I received from a friend of mine a few nights ago. Now, my friend was concerned about my episode that I had with Megan McLover. If you listen to Megan McLover, uh, she is a black lesbian psychologist who has some pretty, uh, what I would say, insensitive words about many topics, but especially when it comes to uh, transgender conversations. Uh, when she stated in her conversation that that doesn't concern her, how other people feel because she wasn't going to give in to their insanity. Um, I allow my guest to speak for themselves. The views of my guest are not my views. If you want to know my views, you can reach out to me. I, I make it very easy to, on Twitter or emailing me if you want to know how I feel about something. But but my friend who's known me for years says, you know, as a teacher, I know that you couldn't have felt comfortable in the conversation. And here's the truth of the matter. I really enjoyed my conversation with Megan. I, I appreciated getting to know her better. I didn't know her well whatsoever when I when I had that conversation. But at the same time, I was uncomfortable. I actually reached out to several people about that podcast before I published it. And I stated, hey, I did this interview and we went to some places where listening back, I wish that I had pushed back more. But I don't have the luxury of having an earpiece to clarify my statements, have a producer in my ear. I have no production team. It's a team of one. It's Greg Bolden. That's it. So I don't have the ability on the fly. There are some times where I'll listen back to my guests. I'll listen back on the interviews and I'll think to myself, wow, I wish I had expanded upon that because while I was registering what I wanted to ask next and what I wanted to follow up on, I don't believe I clearly understood or heard what they were saying in that moment. And that's just part of doing the show. That's just part of the interview skills. Maybe it's part of me getting better at what I do over time. I've been doing this now for a while, but there's always growth to be happening. Uh, I'm a humble person. If, if, you, if you don't know me too well, humility goes a long way. Me being able to say, uh, I don't know is, is a big thing for me. Uh, what I do know, I try to impart to others. That's the educator in me. But I wanted to address these words from my friend. So when he called me, he said, you know, I was disappointed in you that when somebody really talks about educators in a way that uh, they don't have a role in raising our children, I know that you know that that's not true because you're an educator and you know what's expected of you. And so I want to break through the white lies that we've been being told about educators or the straight lies that we have been told about educators in America. And I want to get to some truth today that 
is not really caring about anybody's feelings right now. Look, educators in the United States are getting a really bad rap. And perhaps I'm not the best person to speak to you about this for the fact that I am an educator. And you might say that I'm biased in this perspective. But I want to remind you of things that you may have known and forgot, or I want to educate you on things that you did not know about educators. So first, are you aware that educators have professional development throughout the entire school year? Not just at the beginning of the school year, but throughout the entire school year, there are professional development opportunities for our public school teachers. And when I say they're opportunities, they're, they're not really opportunities, they're mandatory trainings, all right? But these are uh, trainings such as how to spot child abuse. Now, if you are uh, maybe somebody who lacks compassion or lacks the ability to actually see the world as it is, maybe your worldview is a bit too narrow, maybe you don't believe that it's a teacher's job to report abuse or suspected abuse. Maybe you feel the teachers are going too far in that reporting. But let me tell you my worldview. I started my career in education back in 2001, and it was at a private Catholic school. And during that time at that school, I didn't have students who were coming from extreme poverty. I was at a school where I did not have students that were starving for their next meal. I didn't have students that had parents that were involved in gangs. I didn't have uh, students that they themselves were involved in gangs. During my journey, I eventually found my way to teach at a college level class, and I certainly didn't find a lot of issues there. Um, if I, the kids had those issues, they were working through them by the time they were 18 through the age of 22. And then later, I found myself in a public school environment, and not just in any public school environment, but proudly in an environment where the majority of the students that go to the school that I teach at are in poverty that we have a very high poverty rate at my high school. And I learned so much more about my worldview that it opened up my perspective to a lot more opportunities, as well as it really challenged me about what I already didn't know. And I think that that's a, a, an okay place for us to talk about what we don't know, right? We spend a ton of time trying to diagnose somebody else's issue, somebody else's problem. But as our parents often told us, spend some time and walk a mile in another person's shoes. And I've literally done that now for the past seven years. I've been walking in other people's shoes. And so I've received difficult phone calls from students and parents when there's been loss or uh, trauma in a young person's life. Uh, I've been there for a student who is struggling with their sexual identity. I've been there for students when they've been struggling with uh, broken relationships. I've been there for students when there's been drugs in their family or personal use of drugs with said student and they wanted to share uh, and try to get some help. These are all things that educators around the United States are dealing with on a daily basis. And it doesn't do any good to shame a teacher or the state the teachers need to teach. I don't think you understand what it means to teach if you do not acknowledge we are holistic educators. If we didn't care for the student first, if we didn't make sure that everything was okay in that student's life, you cannot teach somebody. I'll give you an example. If right now 
you're in a very closed-minded place and you don't want to listen to this podcast and you're thinking, I'm about to turn it off. Guess what? You can no longer learn. You can no longer receive what I want to share with you. And that is the same as me trying to join my listeners, me trying to join my students and make sure I acknowledge what world that they live in. So that way I can bring empathy and compassion to my classroom. So I think we'd go a long way to first start the conversation about teachers as some type of indoctrination places. Look, we're not indoctrination centers. What we are is the first line defense many times to get children the help that they need. We don't live in a fairy tale world where every parent has the ability to watch over their child 24 seven. It would be great if that was the case, but we have parents that are working multiple jobs and sometimes they're not involved in their kids' academics. And it's not because they're a bad parent. It's because they don't have any more time to be involved. They are so caught up in trying to make sure that they can provide for their family and provide through their jobs and bringing meals onto the table to the best of their ability that we shouldn't shame parents for the reality that they're in. You've looked at the prices at the grocery store. You know how hard it is to, to reach into your wallet. Now imagine a family where somebody's lost their job and has to make car payments, has to make a mortgage payment, has to make insurance payments, has to put food on the table for their child, get them uh, whatever it is that they child wants within reason that help them assimilate in with their, with their friendships. And you begin to understand how stressed parents may be. See, if everything in your life is okay. Maybe you have plenty of money coming in. It's very difficult to be compassionate and understanding to see the other side. Now, this goes back to the allegory of the cave. This goes back to seeing how things are on the wall, right? I started off in a Catholic environment of teaching at a private Catholic school. My world was simply I teach English, I teach math, and I had a religion class that I taught. And I, I, I really enjoyed these, these grade school kids. They were fun to help form into both their faith as well as teach English and math. That was a great time. But that stated, I never thought about what happened to those children when they went home. Because I saw the parents at the front door. They pick up their kids. I saw them at parent-teacher conferences. And I never thought about the fact that there's kids out there that don't have that level of support. That was not part of my worldview. I was naive. That is quite honestly the best way I would put it. I spent some time working in youth ministry. During my time in youth ministry, there was a whole other myriad of problems that I discovered with our young people. It was mostly mental health issues and kids that were dealing with depression, anxiety, idealizations of suicide, uh, some kids that went through with suicide. Uh, it was a very... Uh, traumatic experience for me to be involved in youth ministry. And my worldview grew during that time. Coming to a public high school and seeing the love that teachers have in their classrooms is one of the most groundbreaking and amazing experiences that I've had so far in my career, as well as my professional growth. To be put in an environment where I really am in the beautiful part of the United States. I'm in the part where it doesn't matter your economic status. 
It doesn't matter uh, what your last name is. Everybody is on equal footing when they walk through that door. And that's an absolutely beautiful thing. And it's a, it's a great thing for America as well. We've got to start supporting teachers. Now, I'm not going to tell you that I'm staring at shadows on a wall and there isn't another truth. I'm not telling you that outside my experience with the great staff that I've worked with, there's not schools in the United States that aren't indoctrinating students. Is that a possibility? Sure, that's an absolute possibility. It's also a possibility that you, by making that statement, are the one doing the indoctrination in a completely different way. That's why we have to be mindful to unshackle ourselves get up from our echo chamber and move ourselves to a spot where we can actually see what's causing the story to unfold in front of us. If we don't get to the roots of the diagnosis and of the problem, we cannot get to a treatment. There's very few doctors that are going to just say, oh, well, you have a cough, you have this, you have that, just get on an antibiotic. Most doctors are going to want to see beyond the wall see what they're dealing with, and then figure out, do we need antibiotics or do we not need antibiotics? So what I want to say to my friend and what I want to say to anybody listening to me um, about these interviews and how I may disagree with people's uh, views, um, I don't want my silence to be seen as consent to what somebody else may feel. My show exists for a purpose. American Boldened is about how do we bridge dialogue between an increasingly polarized left and right world to find out at the core of everything, we're human beings. Where is the objective truth in our life? And what is it that is of the higher importance, the higher, greater good that we should all be striving for? Now, for me personally, that's something of faith. And I understand that not everybody will view the world in the same way, whether it's, you know, being an agnostic faith where you believe that there's something bigger than yourself, but it's not a religious faith or it's a religious faith that can be off putting the people that may have atheist beliefs. But I do believe that we are all searching for something larger. Even if you're an atheist, while your time is here, you are searching to have a larger impact than just yourself. We are all looking for a way to make sure that when we are dead and gone, the world is a better place because we were in it. I, I think at our core, that's still something that's a reality, an objective truth within each of us. I could be wrong on that, but that's where I'm leaning. That's, that's how I'm thinking right now. And so if you believe in this, then this show is a place where as I bring on guests, I want to allow them to tell me and the world their story, how they see things. And in those conversations, I want you and me to have an open mind to listen to it. If it upsets you, that's okay. But ask yourself, what is it that upsets me about what this person shared? Was it because you feel that they're a hateful person? Well, what confirms that they are a hateful person? Was it a couple sentences that they said? Uh, and is that enough to condemn somebody to say that this person is a hate monger? I want us to be able to listen and take in and monitor ourselves and our own reactions. In what point 
are we staring at that wall? At what point are we locked in to the shadows and not realizing that we ourselves have been puppeteered? And one final note today before I end, Facebook. I'm off Facebook. I actually have a show page for Facebook. I created kind of a, a personal page, but I've deleted my my regular account and I started that process a while back, but I'm officially now deleted and off outside of the show. And the reason I did so was because of the echo chambers. I'm tired of it. We surround ourselves with like-minded individuals, which is a beautiful thing. I think it's important for self uh, perseverance that we have like-minded individuals that we can bounce ideas off of. But I also think it's very important that we are challenged by people. I love the fact that I have friends that can call me up and challenge me on something that they heard me say on the show or challenge me as they have before on something that I've said in person or that they disagree with, because that's a true friendship. That is somebody who actually cares. The person that doesn't care, that's called indifference. There was a teacher that I had a long time ago. They said, you know what's worse than hate? Indifference. Because with hatred, you're still on the person's mind. But when you find yourself in indifference, it doesn't even matter that you exist. It is the darkest place you can possibly be in, is to find yourself in indifference in a relationship. And so continue to call me out. Continue to tell me when you feel that, hey, this made me uncomfortable. Hey, I'm disappointed in you that you didn't go a certain route. I'm not always going to get things right, ladies and gentlemen. That is absolutely truth. You have no further look than my wife to tell you that I'm wrong more than half the time. And she's correct all the time. I promise you that. So with that all stated, I want you to think about how you use social media. Look at your friendships and your alignments. Do you find that there's no one left on your Facebook page with an opposite view? Do you find that you've blocked people and banned people? Now, maybe that's been for your good mental health. Maybe that person has gone way past the point of insanity and they are staring at their wall and they're telling you this is exactly how it is and they're ready to kill you for coming back in. But don't be so sure that you actually experience the outside world. That's all I'm saying. Because at the end of the day, those relationships that we're burning may be relationships that we need in our life. Now, you know when it's going to be unhealthy and you need to cut that off. There certainly is a time and a place for that. Don't be afraid, America, to tell mom, hey, you know what? That meal wasn't that good because sometimes mom needs to hear that. So she never makes that meal again. And so I want to say thank you to my friend. I want to say thank you for caring enough to tell me what your concerns were about the words that were shared with Megan McGlover, how my response affected you and how you felt that you knew what my response would be. I appreciate that. I'm glad that we didn't continue to tell little white lies simply because we didn't want to hurt feelings. The only way we can become a better society is to make sure that we are having conversations with love. And sometimes those conversations with love mean that we tell the God honest truth and we don't care where things land. I hope you appreciated some of my thoughts today. Uh, feel free to let me know at Real Greg Bolden on Twitter or email me, greg at americaembolden.com. It's been a pleasure to bring these words with you. Thank you so much. I know you have plenty of other things you could be doing today, whether you were listening to me on your car ride in the work or your way home. I appreciate your time and I hope that you guys all know that. I hope that you have a safe and uh, beautiful rest of your day with you and yours. Be bold, America. Uh-huh.